Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. My name's Jeff, if you haven't met me yet. I'm the Next Gen Director here at Refuge, and I help with some uh, worship and stuff as well. So good to see you guys. Good to be with you. I have the privilege of speaking to us tonight, so that's awesome. Pastor Matt's in the house. Thanks for the, the, the privilege and the opportunity it is to share the Word of God. So he's a, a mentor and spiritual dad of mine here, so we're thankful. Anybody here have a pet? Anybody sneak any, like, pets into the dorm or you got a, you got a cat at home or something like that? Okay, I'm not going to lie. My wife and I definitely snuck a cat into the dorm. It was a little different because I was like an assistant resident director at this point, so it was like slightly more kosher, still probably illegal. I've repented, Lord and me are good about it, but um, anyways, so we got this cat in 2013 after we got married, and uh, man, let me tell you, she's gone with us everywhere. She came with us to North Dakota, she came with us out to California where we lived for three years and back with us, and we've been traveling a lot lately. We've been gone most weekends, and we just came back Saturday night last night. Man, a lot happened since last night already. It's been a busy Sunday. Hallelujah. Um, and let me tell you, she is a Klingon. Her name is Ingrid Parker Prentice. That's our last name. And we named her middle name Parker because of Richard Parker from The Life of Pi. You know what I'm saying? She got little tiger stripes on her. So Richard or Ingrid Parker. So anyways, it's adorable. But my, my cat's a Klingon. And she's always with me. And I can hardly get away from her. And it's adorable. But tonight... I'm going to talk about not the God who's a Klingon, but the God who's always with us. His name's Emmanuel, all right? So how's that for an intro? Nice. Um, You know what? Let's just get right into it, okay? You guys ready for the word? All right. Let's bring it. Yeah, Lord, thank you. Uh, God, thank you for your presence. It's in this house. Yeah, we just choose to acknowledge you right now, Father. God, just bless bless our time. Open our ears. Open our eyes. May truth uh, live here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, can we get a little scripture on the screen here? We got um, Matthew one twenty three. So, Emmanuel. Um, Emmanuel, it's kind of like a Christmassy word for Jesus, right? And this is where that comes from. And it's kind of getting Christmassy. December, we got some snowfall going on. I like half shoveled my driveway so far. I got to get the second half when I get home tonight. So... Yeah, driveway shoveling, it's awesome. <clears throat> Anyways, all right, so let's look at this. Emmanuel, Matthew one twenty three says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So I want to talk tonight about the God who is with us. So my goal tonight is um, not necessarily to persuade you of anything crazy or to, to convince you. Um, I, that's just, um, I just think that anything that I can... Often, if someone can talk you into something, you can talk yourself out of it. And so I want to let just the Holy Spirit do the work tonight. And I just want to encourage you guys um, to leave some teaching and information with you and inspire you about, um, about my Jesus, about the God that I follow. So we're going to talk about a couple things here. Next slide, por favor. <clears throat> we're going to talk about understanding the Trinity. We're going to talk about receiving the presence and securing the promise. Okay. So, let's talk about the Trinity. Trinity. You know, I was thinking about the Trinity tonight, and you guys, anybody have like a fidget spinner? Do you actually have a fidget spinner on you right now? That would be crazy. 
No way. No, that's funny. But anyways, okay, when I think about a fidget spinner, you see th those things? They've got like three little weights on them, and you just hold them in between your fingers, and zzz, and it just goes spinning. If you've never seen one, it's, it's hard to explain. But it, it's all the rage these days of the kids, okay? So get your hands on a fidget spinner. But the Trinity reminded me of a fidget spinner because it's got three parts, and when it spins and does its thing, it's in perfect balance. Um, just like the Lord. So check this out. When God calls Jesus Emmanuel in this um, scripture... He's also applying the label Emmanuel to the rest of himself within the Trinity God, the Father and the Son and the Spirit, right? So in order to understand who the all of him, all of God is, um, we need to understand who that is. We can have a full revelation of Emmanuel. So um, anybody like language, language, poetry, writing? Anybody like to write stuff? Writing is really awesome because it helps us communicate. But you know what? Um, language is actually a, a limited means of communication. And it's an imperfect translation of reality. That's what came to my mind today. I was thinking about it. That's why, that's why they say like a picture is worth a thousand words, right? Because you can look at something and you learn a lot about it without, you know, it's like when you try to wrap language and words around something, your ability to communicate is only as good as your vocabulary is, which is only as good as, like, how complex your language is, you know? And we have, like, good language, but when you're talking about an infinite God and a really crazy concept like the Trinity, it's going to be inadequate. So just know that as we're talking about this, we're not going to cover it all, but I just want to give an overview of this because when we talk about Emmanuel, the God with us, that's a good thing that God's with us, and we want to know who it is that's with us, okay? So check this out. Um, personification is a literary tool that we apply to the Trinity in order to scratch the surface of his essence. For example, personification, if you don't remember language class, like uh, uh, the lightning danced across the sky, or the wind howled in the evening dusk, or something poetic sounding like that, right? It's applying human terms to things that aren't necessarily human, like lightning dancing. Okay, lightning doesn't actually, like, put on its tutu and do its thing, right? Lightning just flash. But it's a good word picture. You can imagine that when you hear those words. So we do the same thing with the Trinity. Because before we actually understood God as a person who we call, like, he in the Scripture, in the Word of God, right? Who was God? He, I mean, before creation, like, Genesis 1, like, pre-Genesis 1, right? Um, God was just, like, essence, God was, anybody watch uh, Voltron, Legendary Defender? Don't lie. Netflix cartoon. I was guilty of that once in a while. Okay, that's cool. So they have this like magical substance that powers the whole universe. It's called quintessence. Quintessence powers Voltron. It's really awesome. But quintessence, actually, the definition of quintessence is like the perfect example of a thing. So... God was just essence. He was just quintessence. He's the all-permeating quintessence of love and of goodness. He's not just an old guy in the clouds, right? That's, that's just like how we try to relate to, with language, a God that we're striving to understand, but who dwells with us. So God is complete and consistent within himself. God himself is a community of perfect love, if you want to think about it that way. For love to be expressed requires both a, a lover and a beloved. Love can exist, but to express it, there has to be a relationship there. So, you know, um, 
You can think about that in any relational terms, any relationship. And, and so that's what God actually, he finds it in us, his creation, but he first found it in himself, within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, living in perfect community. is kind of a crazy thing. That was the gift that he gave us when he gave us Emmanuel, was the gift of this relationship and, and community. But I said that God, God created us and wanted to have a relationship, but actually God didn't create out of um, a need to be loved. Um, because, of course, God enjoys our, our, our relationship, but it wasn't a need to be loved that he was lacking, but rather got created out of the, uh, this is, okay, you guys know, um, anybody ever heard of the Gospel Coalition? It's like an evangelical group of churches and guys and authors, and it's awesome when people from different places team up in the name of Jesus and release awesome content. So this is a guy named Kevin DeYoung. He said this. It's part of the Gospel Coalition. God did not create in order to be loved but rather created out of the overflow of perfect love that had always existed among the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who ever live in perfect and mutual relationship and delight. Wrap your mind around that, right? It's kind of crazy. You can throw that next slide up there. <clears throat> and it says this. It says, a Trinitarian vision of God means that the foundation of our universe is not material, but relationship. Because before there was stuff, there was just God with himself, and it was perfect, and it didn't need anything else. But he chose to make us, right? He chose to give us the gift of himself. And you, you can't give away something you don't have. I said that's so in order for God to show us relationship, he had to possess it within himself first, which he did that. So Jesus, Emmanuel, Jesus who's called Emmanuel, Wants just, I mean, he just wants us to join the party that the Trinity's basically been having since before creation, you know? And he prayed uh, this for us, Jesus, in John 17, as he's praying for his disciples. I mean, this is one of the last things that, that Jesus prays on earth. He says, um, listen to this scripture. This is John 17, 20, 26 here. He says, I did not ask for these only, but also, meaning his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, which is us. We are uh, believers today because of the word and the evangelistic missions of our ancestors, right? Um, that they may all be one. So he wants us to be one. Just as Jesus is talking to God, you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Just a couple more verses here. O righteous Father, even through the word, I'm sorry, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these that know you have sent me I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. <laughs> okay, so big chunk of scripture. Um, but you see that Jesus' prayer was actually, Father God, this Trinity unity thing that we share, I actually want to release this revelation to my people. And, and he meant that, of course, in a way of just like, relationship and unity and harmony with each other, but I also firmly believe that he meant that we're to be um, relationally like aware of the gift of Emmanuel 
there was a trinity uh, with each of us personally. And not to mention that Jesus came, uh, I mean, Jesus eventually, he came to die for us. But before he died for us, I mean, he lived for like 30 years before he even started his ministry. He just came to dwell with us and be in relationship before he finally did eventually die for us, which is a big deal. But it's important to note that Jesus' main purpose, um, I mean, obviously, okay, a big part of his purpose was his sacrifice on the cross, but um, it wasn't just like the performance of that event that was his sole purpose. It was, it was the life that he shared before then because Jesus could have just been sent down by God like, um, and just kind of emerged at the last minute and then like been sacrificed in the wilderness where nobody knew him or, you know what I mean? Like if it was just like a, a human body that needed to be sacrificed like in our place, You could have done that a lot of ways. But Jesus actually came to show us what relationship and love looked like in himself, Emmanuel, revealing Emmanuel all along the way. So check this out, John 14, 9 to 10. Jesus is talking to his disciples. They're eating dinner, and I think there's a slide for this scripture here. And Philip, he keeps asking him, he's like, Jesus, we just want to know the Father because they grew up in the Jewish tradition, right? And they're waiting, you know, the Messiah is supposed to reveal the Father. They're like, when are we going to, we want to see the Father. Isn't like the world about to end now because the Messiah's come? And, you know, they don't know. So um, Jesus finally says, Jesus said to him, to Philip, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Because Jesus was saying, Philip, I know this is really a wild concept because this is kind of a first introduction to the Trinity, to those early disciples, but he's saying, I am the Father. Mind blow, right? And uh, what's crazy about that is, uh, and I don't mean to spend all night here on the Trinity, but it's important to realize that when we get Emmanuel, when we get Jesus, we get all of them. We do, we get all of them. And sometimes... I, I don't know about you guys, but I find that I most naturally relate to one part of the Trinity more than others. If you just think about it like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are you like, when I pray, like, dear God, like, who am, who am I talking to? Like, do I, am I, like, Jesus, am I, talking, am I praying to the Spirit, the Father? Like, I know they're all one, of course, but, like, is there something that you gravitate towards? I think I kind of, like, probably relate to Jesus the most because I knew that he was, like, a human being. And so... Um, but I want to stretch my maturity and understanding and faith to be able to relate to all parts of God uh, with depth and with intimacy. And I think one, uh, one of the aspects of the Trinity that many of us struggle to relate to, um, we could talk about all, all of these, but I just want to talk about the Father for a minute because um, all of us have experiences of, of fathers on earth, you know, and not all of them are perfect. Some of them are amazing. And even, you know, even the best dads, um, there's things that a human being just just can't give us. And even doing the best with what they had, sometimes we just experience pain. And that's, and that's really normal, and it's, it's normal to, to process that as you get older and walk through answering questions for yourself. And um, So check this out, though. There's a book called uh, Experiencing Father's Embrace by Jack Frost. I would recommend it if you want to learn more about the father. He says this, without a personal revelation of Father God's unconditional love, it becomes very easy to spread the idea of a vengeful, angry God who actually can't wait to banish us to hell with his wrath. Jesus loves us, but his stern father is perpetually angry with us. 
is difficult to have intimacy with someone who remains mad at you. Is it not? The idea that the Father is the vengeful arm of the Trinity and that Jesus is the compassionate one pleading for our undeserved pardon is incredibly harmful to our relationship with God because Jesus came to demonstrate who the Father is and what he's like. Yeah. And so they have different personalities, but they're the, they're the same. And so when we, when we talk about the Father, we have to look at the Father with the same affection and with the same mission that Jesus demonstrated on earth. And this is just a, a really cool thing that I, I like to do that they actually do in this book also that I just want to include quickly for you guys. If you want to throw up that uh, scripture, the First Corinthians 3, 4 to 7. Love is patient, love is kind. Um, okay, so the scripture is there. Um, but I'm going to read it a different way. Because God is love, we can replace the word love with, with any part of the Trinity. And it should read to us the same way. So just, um, I, I don't know if these exact words are on the screen, but uh, listen to this. I'm going to read the whole, whole scripture, replacing the word love with the word father. Father is patient. Father is kind. Father does not envy or boast. Father is not arrogant or rude. Father does not insist on his own way. Father is not irritable or resentful. Father does not rejoice at wrongdoing. But Father rejoices with the truth. Father bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You guys know that the Father is for you tonight. Yeah. So who is Emmanuel? Who is it that, that, that is with us? It's the quintessence of love and goodness. It's justice and power, ferocity and gentleness, the mystery, the Father, Son, Spirit, completeness of, of the one true God. Okay. So just think about that as we're talking about the presence of God, Emmanuel. It's the whole package, and it's a good package. It's, not, it's a mysterious package. It's a wonderful package, but it's one that I, I look at and I say, the things that I don't know, it just brings me to my knees in worship. It doesn't bring me to, to places of, of, of doubt and fear. It just brings me to my knees in worship because I know that uh, as I continue to, to press into him, I'll continue to learn more, and more questions will be proposed, but that's okay. That's our journey of faith. We just encounter questions, and we get them answered, only to be confronted with more questions. There is actually no final destination. There's no resting point. It's just more discovery. <laughs> so get comfortable with not knowing. Get comfortable with the idea of ongoing discovery. All right? So that's the Trinity. Let's talk about the presence. Let's talk about receiving the presence of God. So the presence is the experience of God with us. It's kind of like, like gravity, right? It's, the, it's that kind of tangible, intangible, and uh, non-material but substance kind of thing that can only be accessed, you might say, with like the currency of faith. Because the presence is all around us, but really what changes? God, God's always here. I mean, God is he's here. He's, he's everywhere. You know what I mean? But... I can access the presence of God with my faith. And what changes isn't God's presence. What's presence? What changes is actually just my awareness and my receptivity to that. And so when I pray like, oh, God, just crash into this room, I, I, I believe that he can like supernaturally do that and there are measures of his presence that exist. But really my prayer um, is, is more often what I think my heart is trying to say even when my lips say, God, come here, is God, would you just like, peel off that Claritin clear skin that like, you know, ah, and then the world's full of, it's like, 
allow me to experience your presence because I know you're already here. Just like pull, pull it away, God. Help me make me a bigger vessel to carry understanding and revelation so that I can, I can see you everywhere that I go. Isn't that the dream? Okay. And another thing. I will never, and this is from Bill Johnson. He says this about stuff, and it's something that really rocked me the first time I heard him say it. Bill Johnson is a pastor at Bethel Church where Mercer and I spent a couple years studying. Um, he says this, I will never lower my theology to the level of my experience. <laughs> so if I have never seen God heal someone, if I lower my theology to the level of my experience, I'll be like, you know, I have to, I have to see it to believe it. And I, I don't think there's shame in that, but I think it's a missed opportunity to, to embrace God for who he is. And I, I don't want my personal experience to be the ceiling of my theology. I want God's word to be, to be my, my blueprint for my theology. So check this out as we're talking about God's word. Let's look at, the, let's look at it because that's where, that's where we learn about the presence. Psalm 1611 says this, in your presence... What kind of presence is this? What is God with us? What does that mean for us? In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Joshua 1.9, there's a slide for this, I think. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go, he's with you. All of him. Jeremiah 23, 23 to 24. He says, am I a God at hand? declares the Lord, and not a God far away. Can a man hide himself in secret places so I can't see him? Adam and Eve kind of tried to do that after they ate the fruit of the tree of good, knowledge of good and evil. They tried to go hiding from God. Like, what good was that going to do, you know? Because he's everywhere, declares the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? He fills it. He fills it up. And again, this is our limited language because he's not filling physical space. <laughs> Um, Acts 17, 27 to 28 says this in God's word. He is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. So all of us is in him. Colossians 1, 16 to 26 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That was Emmanuel, his blood shed on the cross to bring us the opportunity to be redeemed in relationship to God. But you know what he did? He didn't just redeem his people. He redeemed it all. He redeemed his creation. He'd redeemed everything because in the beginning he made everything and he said it was good. Um, and there was the fall that happened in the garden, but when Jesus came back, guess what? It was good again. He redeemed it. And we have the, like, um, oh, man, I love talking about this. You know that... Um, I think it's a, okay, because this is a helpful conversation. Okay, um, when you think about things that are sacred and things that are secular, you think about, um, again, it's this language conversation. That's just words that we've used in the kind of like church 
um, history to describe things that are generally of God and things that are generally not. But the the divide between sacred and secular is actually sort of a myth because everything is sacred. God's presence resides everywhere. And if we can just live our lives with an awareness of the sacredness of tying my shoes or eating my scrambled eggs for breakfast or brushing my teeth, you know what I mean? It's like it's an experience and an invitation to do it with the Lord as he's with us in the form of Emmanuel. And um, just along those lines, it's like the sacred secular thing. It's, the presence doesn't just belong to, to Christians, you know? It doesn't. The presence belongs to all of creation, the world and we can find it everywhere. So the tension is this, and Andrew uh, articulated this really well this morning, I thought, and I was kind of wrestling with that inside. I'm like, no, that's true. Everything he's saying is so good. I'm like, but there's this other part of me. It's like, the tension is this. We're to be a holy people set apart. The scripture tells us that. We're supposed to look different, right? But um, I think part of that, like, inside wrestling in me comes in. My concern sometimes is, um, is when we focus on how different uh, like we are from like them. You know what I mean? It's like when you categorize the thing. Um, I, I, it feels like sometimes we're undermining the mission of Emmanuel because we're alienating the very people he came to be with and some of the very tools he gave us to reach them, if that makes sense. So, I mean, don't, don't misunderstand. We, we need to create boundaries in our lives we got to flee from temptation. If that's getting at us, get out of there, you know? Live your convictions. But um, and I, think of the, um, I think of this in terms of, like, uh, you think, okay, uh, play the drum, this is a drum set. Drums in church used to be the devil, you know? You know? And some of you in this room have, have lived through that because it was associated with things that had been stolen from the redeemed version of creation. You know what I mean? This is just a tool to use however you want. You can use a tool for good or you can use a tool for evil. But uh, don't dismiss the tool just because it's been associated with things. And so, again, live your convictions. But I, I, I just mean, I mean, you can say that with, with um, eating pork. It's not that something is inherently evil, but it's a, it's a tool, and it's something that requires responsibility for us to steward. And you need to uh, have uh, the maturity. Well, the goal is this. I'll read this to you that I just wrote because it's going to sound better than my rambling. The goal is to be responsible and manage yourself well, to remove the training wheels of strict rules and boundaries that, we, that people protect us with or that we place in our own lives to protect ourselves with, the goal, eventually, in maturity is to remove that and to re-engage with the world because the world is where we live and the world is where the heart of God lives. And so I never want to become so isolated from something because I fear the kind of like, it's secular. Guys, the, like, I want to be known as a man who is very engaged in my secular world and who knows what's going on in the lives of my secular friends and who is incredibly in touch with what my culture is doing. I don't want to be... Because um, I, I think that's where God's presence is. It's, um, it's a crazy thing. And it, Paul said this. He said, everything is permissible because Jesus redeemed everything. Nothing remains cursed in its nature. However, not everything's beneficial. So obtain the maturity to discern for yourself in submission, this is an important part, in submission to the accountability 
of other people in your life who will actually kick you in the butt if you're out of line, right? That's important. Submission to the accountability who people to people in your life who will um, hold you to it if you're, if you're being dumb, okay? But, but be responsible, so right on. The presence. So the presence doesn't just belong to Christians in the church. The presence is for everyone. So measures of the presence, we're going to talk about this quickly here. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this. When the Apostle Paul asked the Corinthian believers a question, he says, Or do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Because we talked about this. The presence is everywhere, right? Well, he says that, you know, Christ comes to dwell in the heart of every believer. Well, I thought he was already, like, in my heart, right? Because he's everywhere. Well, somehow there's a measure of his presence that becomes greater when he comes to live in our heart. Matthew 18, 20 says this, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Well, he's already living in the hearts of believers, but when you gather together, there's, like, another, like, level up in the presence somehow. It seems that there's an increase in the manifestation in our awareness and our receptivity to the presence of God that's hovering there all along. Psalms 22.3 says this, you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel, or in in another translation um, that I think is more helpful for us, it says, you inhabit the praises of your people. And so we can be, God is everywhere, he's in the heart of believers, we're gathered together, and we're worshiping him. There's another level. That's like a big level. The presence of God exists in worship whether we're giving our offering or whether we're singing to him. So check this out. The, the Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer, great book. He says this, Always he, God, Emmanuel, is trying to get our attention to reveal himself to us, to communicate with us. We have within us the ability to know him if we will but respond to his overtures his attempts to reach us. And this we call pursuing God. We will know him in increasing degree as our receptivity becomes more perfect by faith and love and by practice. The presence is not a sovereign and irresistible force which comes upon us as a seizure from above. It is a gift of God indeed, but one that must be recognized and cultivated as any other gift if it is to uh, realize the purpose for which it was given, which is relationship. And a lot of times uh, we, can, we can be in a service and we can, we can have a visitation from God and we cry out for um, God to visit us. But uh, sometimes we talk about uh, like a one-time visitation experience with God. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think what we, what we actually desire even greater than that and what our hearts really um, long for is not just a visitation but a habitation, a habitation of the presence. God, come, come live in me. You're living in me. God, open up my awareness and my worship to, to talk to you and to just live my life with you as if I actually believe that you actually are living in me, you know? So securing the promise, the promise of his presence, because it is a promise. This is good news. Matthew twenty eight twenty says this, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. He's having a party, guys, Trinity party. Let's join it. 
Romans 8, 38 to 39, he says, For I am sure that neither life, I'm sorry, other way around, death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor, th- nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, including the secular things, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You guys know that song, One Thing Remains? I always think of the bridge. In death, in life. He says, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. I think I said that right. That's a good one. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. His presence is meant to dispel fear and inspire fear of a different kind. You, you think of like Aslan, Chronicles of Narnia, if you've seen that, had that experience. This ferocious lion who's also so kind and gentle, it's like that fear of like, oh, I'm like standing next to a lion, but he's good, you trust him. It's like that with the Lord. It's like Andrew was talking about mighty God this morning. He's a mighty God, but he comes close. Yeah. I want to close with this scripture. Psalm 139 says this beloved psalm here. Verses 1 to 7, he says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And I think the question implied there is, why would I want to? For what cause would I flee the presence of God? Who is, who is chasing me down, as we sang earlier, you know? I mean, he's coming after us. Why would we want to flee that? The only reason we want to flee that is if we have a twisted picture of the Trinity. If we have, uh, if we have shame and guilt that doesn't belong there because we think God's going to come and punish us. And sometimes our, our, our actions and our sin has consequences here on earth, and that's real. That's real. But that's just the consequence of freedom which is also a gift of love from God. That's not God's, that's not the Lord's punishment. He doesn't, he doesn't make obstacle courses for his kids. But we'll face obstacle courses and never let that training be wasted, you know? You take that stuff with you. So, uh, yeah, tonight, if you, um, yeah, if you want to experience the God who's with us, uh, this is an, is an opportunity. I mean, every moment's an opportunity, but it's just um, there's something about being in a meeting with a corporate body of people. Worship team, guys, you, why don't you come up here, please? Thank you. There's, there's, a, there's an opportunity to experience God and to just make a stand and say, God, I want more of your presence in my life. Um, it can be the most uh, casual thing or it can be the biggest moment of your life ever that could happen. So um, I just want you to know that there's an invitation available and you have, uh, you're invited to, to accept that invitation. So uh, I think this is for all of us. Um, so 
Yeah, let's just bow our heads and pray. Yeah, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you are a good father. God, you're a, you're a, you're, you're a compassionate savior. The power of your Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, resides in us when we've invited you into our hearts to live and to permeate our being. God, we just want a deeper revelation of your presence. We thank you for it. God, we just say, come. We say, open our eyes, open our ears. God, we want your presence. We want your presence. Your presence is the most strategic and refining thing for my life. God, we just declare that your, your presence is the thing that leads us into freedom, not into bondage to, to rules and, and having to behave a certain way. God, we just say where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thank you that you are consistent with yourself and there is no facet of your being, no side of your face that we have to uh, shy away from or flee from. God, your presence chases us down and that doesn't have to be scary. That can be the most reassuring, blessed, huh, blessed assurance that, uh, that, that we could that we could have in our lives. So we just say, come tonight, God. We say, come. We say, crash into our lives, crash into our hearts. We receive you. We receive you tonight. Um, and if you've never had any experience with, a, with God or his presence, uh, maybe you've never invited Christ into your heart before, or maybe you've just never experienced the tangible presence of God because he does manifest tangibly at times. And if you're hungry for that tonight, you just say your, your hunger is welcome here. Your questions are welcome here. This is a place to, to cry out and to be hungry and to be, huh, yeah, to be just freely wandering in your journey of faith saying, God, there's something about Emmanuel that is captivating. Yeah, we just give you permission in this place. Yeah, if you're, if you're hunger to, to do what it needs to do and for your journey with the Lord to look like what it needs to look like. So God, we just trust you tonight. We trust you that you're good and you lead us in. Um, as I was saying, if you've never asked Christ in your heart, I just want to give you an opportunity for that. So um, if that's you, just pray along with me in your heart. God. I've seen a piece of you. And I don't know the whole, but it's enough. And you're captivating my heart, God. And I just receive you into my life and into my heart. Yeah, God, would you transform my heart and my mind? Would you take me to higher places? Would you purge from me the things that drag me down in life? We trust you that as we, as we put our faith in you, you bring us from glory to glory. You bring us from the beautiful creation that we are to the even greater beauty that we're becoming. So we're just going to have an opportunity to respond in worship this evening. Thank you guys for, for uh, listening to me chat a bit. So, yeah, let's just, let's just stand and uh, do whatever you need. If you want to sit down, that's cool. Let's just respond to God in worship with just a special awareness that his presence is in this house tonight. All right. And his presence will accompany you wherever you go home tonight, wherever you go tomorrow. 
for the rest of your days. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge. Thank you.